Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to the Batman Universe Halls of Justice. My name is Nick, and I'm going to be hosting us through Villain Wall, Episode 6. Uh, and today, joining me, I've got two attorneys at law, and their names are... This is Dustin. And this is Donovan. And Donovan's a new opponent in the Halls of Justice, who's going to be taking on Dustin today. Um, and as you are probably aware, what we do here is we discuss two... Uh, Batman villains and we place them in particular categories on our wall we've got four categories one is classic and that would have characters like the Joker in it we have B-list we've got absent which is sort of has-beens characters that have temporarily been forgotten about and haven't been used but you may recall the character and we've also got forgotten at the bottom for those characters that have completely dropped out of the fans memories um, so today, the first character we're going to be debating over is someone called the White Shark. Uh, now, Donovan, since you're uh, a newbie here, I'll um, allow you to go first. And where will you be arguing the white shark should go on the wall? Well, Judge, today I will be arguing that the great white shark will be put on the B-list category. Okay, Donovan, um, good luck and uh, take it away. (laughs) Well, Judge, um, if you can limit your ears for a few minutes, the great white shark is a fairly recent uh, adversary of Batman and his allies, first appearing in uh, the Arkham Asylum Living Hell miniseries back in December of uh, July and December of uh, 2003. So it's needless to say he's not, he's not very well known, just based off the fact that he is very, very new. But if you look at the character's history, his involvement in the other villains' sort of um, adventures sort of puts him up there. He's not, he's not classic in the sense that, you know, he, he's been shown on, car- on cartoons or film adaptations or anything. But at the same time, he has, been, he has made a number of recent appearances which have elevated his status, which is why I'm putting him in the B list. He went up against, he w- he went up against Two-Face, most, uh, most notably, the most, probably the most high-profile villain he's ever gone up against. And Two-Face actually led to his uh, disfigurement. Um, his real name was being Warren White. He was mis- he was put in Arkham Asylum, uh, not uh, not under his own esteem, but eventually he was put in uh, a freezer by the the villain Jane Doe and had his features sort of frozen off and resembling more of a shark. So that experience, which uh, with with Jane Doe and with Two Face, which is a classic character, sort of elevated him into that B list category. The reason I say it's elevated him is because. There's been scenes of Batman's past villains. Whenever they put Arkham Asylum, they run afoul of him. Uh, one, no- one notable occasion is when Dr. Phosphorus came back, and we-, we placed him in Arkham Asylum. He ran into Great White Shark, I believe. Um, definitely with... I think you should some- have prepared your argument uh, a bit more thoroughly, Donovan. <laughs> Basically... He, he's, he's sort of like the new Black Mask for this era, this modern era, where Black Mask was a new character and sort of was elevated up to a higher villain status. The Great Work Shark is on his way to be, be on the same status. He's new, yes, but he is effective, 
And um, in my opinion, it'll only be a time before he gets to be higher and higher to to classic status. So definitely put him in, in B status. I don't see why not. Okay, thank you for that, Don. And uh, now, Dustin, it's your first opportunity to um, tell us where where you think uh, the Great White Shark should be. Could you just tell our audience where you're planning on placing him on the wall? Yes, of course, Honorable Judge. I will be placing uh, the Great White Shark under the absent category. Okay, you may proceed. All right, Warren White, as our, my esteemed colleague mentioned, first appeared in 2003. It is, right now, only 2011. That leaves seven years of time for this character to make a, make a name for himself, as we could say. Unfortunately, this character has appeared in only about uh, less than 25 different comics since his creation. I don't think a character like that would ever be considered B-list, especially in comparison to some of the other characters that we've categorized as B-list. But in addition to that, uh, being that his first appearance was in 2003, it was a notable story uh, with Arkham Asylum Living Hell, and he did play a very major role in that storyline. Unfortunately, that was a miniseries, not a main story, and that really doesn't didn't really leak into the mainstream continuity that we all know. That's not to say that the character isn't in continuity because he has appeared in the recent stories, including Batman Battle for the Cowl, as well as uh, he had an appearance in Streets of Gotham before that series' is all, all untimely demise. But, unfortunately, I don't think that this character possesses anything that really classifies him as a B-list character, specifically because, again, he seems to be most of the time a higher thug for somebody else and in most situations including ones mentioned by my esteemed colleague he is a supporting character for villains and that doesn't make him a b-list character for the ultimate batman universe uh you know having a notable story with two-face and jane doe doesn't mean that he's a notable adversary for batman and definitely does not classify him as a b-list character so I don't think that I could place this character in any any other category, but currently absent, just because he is still around, but he's definitely not somebody that would be classified as a B-list character. Okay, thank you for that, Dustin. And now, Donovan, you've got one last chance to uh, respond to Dustin's comments there. Make it good. Oh, yes. And indeed I shall. While you can argue that the Great White Shark is an absent character, I believe the argument propelling him to be a B-list character is backed up by more evidence. True, he is very recent. True, he's not even had that many appearances in the past seven years. But think of what the character has done. For instance, when I mentioned that he had involvement with Two-Face, and Two-Face sort of became, had him lead to what he eventually became, the Great White Shark actually brought Two-Face back into uh, mainstream villainy. Because if you remember, Harvey Dent was uh, given plastic surgery by Tommy Elliott and was sort of reformed. Uh, during one year later... Harvey Dent was framed into being uh, uh, a serial killer again, and that sort of pressure brought him to become Two-Face once more, which, you know, we have Two-Face again, one of the best Batman villains ever, undisputedly. Who was responsible for that? It was Warren White, the Great White Shark. Um, Batman, after, it was during one year later, so Batman and Robin just returned to Gotham. So Batman says, okay, you're, you're on my hit list. Don't you ever make a move again. Warring Batman's attention, the Great White Shark automatically propelled himself into, you know, Worth, worth, immediate, worth immediate attention from Batman and Robin. He also kept on making appearances in te- Detective Comics during that time 
after um, Batman tangled with um, the terrible trio when they popped up, or did they? The real mastermind behind that, the one that was the shark, ended up in Arkham Asylum and was shown to have, the great white shark was shown to have plans for him. So he's biding his time. He has, he's shown to be a, a really intelligent kingpin of crime, as it were. And um, not only did he bring back Two-Face, but he's, he's, he seems like he's been planning this entire time. So even though he hasn't exactly made definite appearances consecutively, there's always something being done with him whenever he shows up. So the fact that he's not just a, a, a penny any crook who gets caught by Batman, but the fact that he has a definite influence on the future of certain characters, especially Two-Face, which is a major character, I think that elevates his status and... I will rest my argument on that case, that Great White Shark is a B-list villain. Okay, Don, thank you for that. And Dustin, you've now got your final statements to make on um, proposing that the Great White Shark is an absent character. Yes, the, the, the important thing to take from my colleague's assessment is that he has definitive influence on a important character. But if we were to take Great White Shark out of the story and to put in any of the other characters from the Batman universe who have had ties to the mob, ties to Gotham's underground, would it really make a difference? Could we take Black Mask and put him in White Shark's place and say, hey, this is uh, the, the situation. Black Mask is framing Harvey Dent during Face to Face. Yes, that, that very well could happen. There's nothing that specifically makes this character important to the storyline other than the fact that someone decided to use this character against using somebody else. In addition to that, I don't know that saying that he's a kingpin of, of the criminal world is really a, a true statement because most of the time this guy's appearing in stories, he's behind bars. Yes, he clearly has an influence because he's able to orchestrate these things from behind bars, if he's really that smart, why doesn't he just break out of Arkham or figure out a way to get out of Arkham instead of sitting there? That that seems to be a problem with me. Uh, the guy's got money, and that's what it comes down to. He's got money, and he knows where to put the money to make things happen. I don't think that makes the character really all that smart. It makes him wealthy, and in turn, he knows how to use his money. So I can't put this character anywhere but absent. Okay, thank you, gentlemen. I'm now going to go to my private chambers to uh, compose my thoughts. Right, well, I think we got some very interesting points raised over, um, over a character who has... Uh, Dustin mentioned, has not been around that long, uh, seven years. Um, you know, he's a recent enemy, but he has gone up against characters like Two-Face. Uh, Don mentioned that he may be following the same path as Black Mask has. Um, and I start to wonder, is that unique enough? Is he, as Dustin mentioned, is he just replaceable with, with another character? Is, that, is he special enough to, to warrant B-list status? Um... Yes, he brought Two-Face back into the comics, um, and he has had some interesting impacts on the stories. And he may have some potential as a character, but the appearances are low. He has played a few major roles, but only in smaller series, which the mainstream readers may not have read. Um, 
and he, as Dustin mentioned, he may just be a hired thug or a supporting character most of the time. And we've had these problems before with these characters. Um, for instance, Harley Quinn, slightly different category, but she was usually a supporting character, not a solo character. And that was one of the reasons that she didn't do too well. So I think, unfortunately, Great White Shark does have a lot of potential. And like Hush, who we discussed last time, in a few years' time, my verdict may be different. But right now, I think the Great White Shark is an absent character. No! Who paid you off, Judge? You sound crooked <laughs> to me. Yeah, uh, Dustin, I need to talk to you later about that. Um, but, <laughs> yeah. So, I'm afraid it's a loss for your first case, Donovan. But you now have a chance to redeem yourself with our second character. Oh, yes. And that character is going to be Clayface. Matt, you're changing. And you didn't use your hands this time. You didn't even try. You did it automatically, like uh, a reflex or something. Unbelievable. You know what this means, don't you? It doesn't have to be over. You can go on. We can go on. Wow! You, you can even form clothes out of your skin. But how? The formula must have soaked every cell in my body. It's, it's some kind of miracle. What, what are you doing? No. No. You broke my concentration. It won't work. Don't you see? It's too hard. It's like tensing a muscle. I can't keep it up for long. My career, life, it is gone. Uh, now, Dustin, you'll be going first this time. Uh, can you please tell us where you are arguing Clayface should be placed on my lovely wall over here? Yes, Judge. I will be uh, placing Clayface on the B-list category. So please take it away. All right, Judge. Many people may be thinking to yourself, why would why would I be placing Clayface in the B-list category? This character is clearly a classic character. But this is this is my argument for the B-list category. Clayface is an idea. It is an idea and an overall character, but it has a number of different aliases. We started off with Basil Carlo. Uh, who was a B-list? Who was a B-list movie star? Who was uh, basically was driven mad and began wearing a mask and became Clayface. Okay, then we had Matt Hagen, followed by Preston Payne, Sandra Fuller, Cassius Payne. Uh, we had Peter Malley, Todd Russell, and Johnny Williams. A number of different characters, eight characters in general that have held this role as Clayface. The important thing that I have to consider when I decide who, which category I'm going to argue is, does this character hold up over time? Does that make this character a classic character or not? Unfortunately, the fact that as time has progressed since this character's first appearance in Detective Comics number 40, we really have to think to ourselves, why has this character changed aliases so many times since that first appearance? Why is that? 
Is it because the character doesn't have a lot to a lot to give, so they decide to change the persona of the character itself to give it some more? And I think that's really what happens. Um, the 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 original idea of Basil Carlo as a B-list movie star who's upset with a situation that's happening on set at his film, and then goes on this rampage of becoming Clayface, is an interesting thought. But as time progressed, that's not as relevant, so they change it. A character, you also have to consider the continuity of the Batman universe is probably taken from year one to present time, a matter of, I would say, 15 to 20 years, max. In this time frame, the fact that we've had a character known as Clayface, played by eight different people, that roughly comes out to every single two and a half years we get a new Clayface, when you look at it like that. Why, why, why is this character a classic character if, they, if their personality or persona has to change every two and a half years in continuity? And the, the, the very interesting thing about this is the fact that because there's been so many different versions of Clayface, there are some creators that then will then bring back some of the original ones, like Matt Hagen, as we saw in Batman the Animated Series, or Basil Carlo, as we've seen recently in some of the issues, the current issues in the Batman universe. So, what was the point of making these other characters if this character was not meant to be, you know, kind of like a run-of-the-mill, let's-change-it-up-whenever-we-can? That's, that's my mindset, and that's why I'm placing him in the B-list category. Okay, Dustin, I think that was actually an excellent excellent opening statement, and I think you've got a very, very good point there. Don, I think your client's looking a little bit worried after Dustin's opening statements. Now is the time to earn your fee. Take it away. Nothing to worry about. Nothing to worry about at all. For you see... Honorable Judge Nick, my my esteemed colleague here would is correct in making uh, in stating the obvious that Clayface has been portrayed in a number of different personas over the years. Eight secret identities or eight alter egos is quite a bit. But the thing is, is that necessarily a bad thing? Now, in the Golden Age, Basil Carlo was the original Clayface, and in the Silver Age, Matt Hengen was the second one. In the Bronze and Modern Age, you would have Preston Payne and so forth and so on. The thing is, there's always been continuity with that spe- specific moniker. The, the, the idea of Clayface is so compelling that they keep on reinventing it to the point where Clayface has become a synonymous character with Batman villains. Now, it's true, some of them have differentiated, others haven't. So the, last, the last few, like Johnny Williams and the ones before him sort of fall in line together. But the basic idea of Clayface is so appealing that it's been portrayed everywhere. Not only has it been portrayed in Batman the Animated Series, in sort of an amalgam uh, character with some of the characters combining, but it was portrayed in The Batman. It's been portrayed in uh, several video games. And it's always a character that's being brought up on Batman's Rose Gallery. Yes, obviously they'll say Joker, Poison Ivy, Two-Face, Riddler. But Clayface is brought up. I hear it all the time. Uh, whether it's in discussions as Batman's most powerful villains or whether it's in discussions as who would you like to see in a movie or who wouldn't you like to see in a movie, people mention Clayface. Now, obviously, that doesn't mean he has to be a classic villain based on that. But when you think about the fact that he has had so many 
persistent identities, and so many times he is brought up. You wonder what does that mean for the character, the idea of him. There was a storyline in the in the very late 80s, 1989, called The Mud Pack, where all the Clayface uh, characters at the time, which were only four, teamed up going, going up against Batman. You all saw their different personalities, but all, one thing they always had was that their Clayface persona was always symbolic of their uh, personal uh, private tortures, you know, with their psychosis. And the one thing Batman characters always have is that they have a specific tormented psychosis. Preston Payne is literally insane, and Basil Carlo is basically the run-of-the-mill villain who becomes an insane murderer. They all have that sort of visceral type of psychology which draws Batman to them. And the fact that people just mention Clayface off the hand is evidence of the fact that he is the, he is falls in line with the other classic villains. He has that sort of same sort of kick. True, his identity is not always the same. It can even be a woman like Sandra Fuller. But at the same time, he has always been persistent. He has always had continuity with the other Clayfaces. And he's always mentioned. So based on his fervent and persistent um, status in the public eye, generally, I say he's a classic, classic villain. And I'm not sure how you can debate that. Okay, Don, I think that's a very good counter as well. I think this is shaping up to be a pretty good debate. Um, Dustin, you've got uh, one chance now to respond and retort to Don's comments there. Make, make the most of it. One of the things that my esteemed colleague has mentioned is that you know, this character has played a pretty big role. It kind of countered my argument as far as the fact that this character has had so many alter egos. But one of the things that I think we have failed to mention is that Clayface, as I said, is an idea, but depending on the alter ego, it has different powers. And I think that's an important thing that we need to look at very briefly. The If you were to see Clayface appear in a comic, and you did not know which character it was, or which alias was actually Clayface, would you know what powers they have? The powers that Clayface have, depending on his alter ego are very, very distinctly different. The original Clayface didn't actually have any powers originally. Yes, once the Mud Pack happened, he created the ultimate Clayface and did have powers, but he didn't have powers originally. The different types, the different Clayfaces have had different powers. If we were to be shown Clayface and not know the alter ego of the character, can we actually determine what what the specific Clayface can do? In addition to that, my esteemed colleague mentioned that the character has been reinvented. There's a reason why the character was reinvented a number of times. Yes, the character has played a large role in the Batman universe, but it's being reinvented because its original thought does not work any longer or does not work for the specific creator. So they reinvent the character. Do you do that with the Joker? No. Do you do that with Two-Face? No. Do you do that with the other classic villains? No. The classic villains have one specific alias. And that's very that's very something that that's something that is something that we have to consider. Clayface has had a number of different alter egos because creators have found the previous Clayfaces to not suit their story. So they reinvent the character and tweak it. Do you ever see that with the Joker? You will never see that with the Joker. The Joker is one specific person. The other thing to keep in mind is that Clayface has never actually appeared in any films, whether it be animated or live action. 
And that's a pretty important thing because, yes, it has appeared in TV shows, but there's a number of characters that have appeared in TV shows that we wouldn't even classify as B-list characters. He's appeared in video games. But again, there's characters inside of video games that we would not classify as B-list characters either. But he's never appeared in a film. Ever. He's not even appeared in an animated film, despite the fact that a number of characters have appeared in animated films. I think this character is a B-list character. But on top of that, and I'm going to close with this. If this character was a classic character, and this character goes five years without an appearance, would that actually ever happen if the character was a classic character? Can the character appear in a comic and his presence be felt throughout the entire story? No. The Joker and the other classic villains that we've, we've rated in the past, they can be. Clayface does not hold the classic interpretation that we associate with other classic villains. So for that, I must leave him in the B-list category. Okay, Don, this is your final chance to try and uh, drag Clayface into the classic category. Please uh, take it away. Well done my esteemed colleague, well done. You present a compelling argument. However, I'm afraid I must derail that for a minute because you you neglected to mention one thing. The fact that Clayface has appeared in several different identities um, gives off the idea that he is still the same monstrous mud creature form. However, the initial Clayfaces were a little bit different. The first Clayface, Basil Carlo, had just a mask and a cape. Uh, Clayface 2, Matt Hagen, was more along the lines of a, the traditional-looking Clayface, but he looked more of a, ma- a mud man. We didn't get really the monstrous uh, Clayface that was syn- synonymous with the animated forms until the mud pack where he, where Basil Carlo absorbed all the, um, all the bloods of the, the last two Clayfaces, Preston Payne and Sandra Fuller. Speaking of Preston Payne, he was a mud man with a cape and a Mr. Freeze bag over his head who... True, he, had, he, had, he was the first one to have different powers in that he would touch you and you would turn to mud. But at the same time, this is going along with the idea that just because they are different means they aren't classic. The basic idea has always stayed the same. And if the basic idea is the same, you know, then that's... I, I understand what he's saying where he's saying that, you know, if they had to keep on changing, that means it's a, it's a lousy uh, concept for a classic character. But my thing is that it's still Clayface. It's still a Clayface concept. We see Clayface everywhere. Even the ones in the animated series were changed. It's going along with the same idea that they are, they are um, altered for a different story. But he, my, my esteemed colleague thinks that just because the stories are changed means that it derails it from being classic. In my personal opinion, and I think uh, I will hopefully find the judge's eventual opinion as well, that means that it's even more classic because of the many stories you can tell with Clayface. Think about it this way. Now, Basil Carlo was originally the one with no powers, but he is now the clay face that everyone thinks of because he is the monster form. He showed up in Hush, and I believe he showed up in No Man's Land um, um, when he kidnapped Poison Ivy back in, I think, Robertson Park or something. That sort of idea means that not only can you uh, change the different identities, but you can bring them back in different ways. You can always bring them back in different ways and always reinterpret them in different ways. And at the end of the day, isn't that what Batman's all about? Batman has many different interpretations, whether he be light or dark or funny or serious. And the same thing with other his villains, like the Riddler and the Joker. Clayface has many different faces, um, no pun intended. 
kind of, just like Batman does. And if Clayface shares that similarity with Batman, as well as the continuing psychological undercurrent that Batman does, then I don't see how he cannot be a classic character. He is interpreted, um, albeit differently with the different identities, but he is still the same ideas always carried forth with the psychosis. He is, um, he's very different from the other uh, villains. You can't confuse him with other villains, certainly. But the main thing is, is that he is an idea that has stuck around since the Golden Age. He's one of Batman's most recurring villains since 1940. And I believe that will put over the argument that he is indeed a classic character. All right, now, gentlemen, I think you've put forward a very compelling argument. I think it's one of the best we've had on this Villain Wall series. Um, I will go into my, uh, into my private room and uh, consider the evidence. I may take a while. So, Clayface, classic or B-list? Um, now, the tricky thing here is we're really not looking at one character. We're looking at the idea of Clayface. Um, and the, but the idea, the problem is that I mean, why isn't why hasn't Clayface been one character like the Joker? Why have we had eight alter egos, and he's been reinterpreted over and over? Is that a problem? Is, I mean, that makes it a bit harder for mainstream readers to keep up with who is the current Clayface if you've got people coming and going all the time. Do you need to reinvent classic characters? Um, if they're, I mean, maybe they're just not been good enough. That's why there have been eight of them. Um, the Joker, as Dustin mentioned, doesn't get changed, but that's because there's plenty of layers to him for writers to work with. Maybe writers have not felt Clayface has that sort of status. Um, has he had major impacts on on stories? Um, I, I don't think that was really brought forward very much. Uh, Bane, for instance, who we had in the past, was a classic villain because he had a big impact in one story. That was enough to put him there. I'm not sure Clayface has had that massive impact. Um, and he's not, had, not been in any form of film, but I do think that's a bit of a tough one because I think he's a very difficult character to interpret, certainly in live action. So I think the film thing is, is a bit uh, of a stretch, but because he's had his animated appearances. Um, but then again, is it a bad thing to reinvent a character over and over again? Clearly the idea is great, because we've had eight of them. Um, it's just odd that there's not been one character, that, or just a couple of characters that have been consistent. Instead, we've had many interpretations. Um, but is it a bad thing if that idea is so good? Clearly, it keeps coming back. Um, so he has had media appearances. It's a good power that Clayface has. I think you can do quite a lot with it. It's a deceptive power, and the powers also differ a bit, and as well as the appearances from Clayface to Clayface. Whether it's someone who's in control of the power, or you know, a bit of a complete mess and looks like a monster. And I thought Don had a excellent point with. Batman being interpreted differently over the last, you know, over his entire run, Batman has had many different incarnations, um, just like Clayface, so can't be all bad. And the fact he's gone, he first appeared in the Golden Age also credits Don's argument. So, um, it's been an, another tough one, 
But my final decision is that Clayface is a classic villain. Not a particular character, but the idea of Clayface has stuck around for so long, I think that is where it deserves to be placed. Hooray! Oh, yay! Oh, yay! He says, oh, yay, dirtbags! Dummy up! Sheesh! I gotta do everything for you. Court is now in session! So that was uh, the two characters we're debating this time around. I hope you enjoyed that. Um, I thought the Clayface argument was a very good one. Um, next episode, we'll be arguing two more characters, and we've got some good ones. They're going to be the Mad Hatter and the Clock King. So those are the characters we'll be arguing next time, so make sure you join us for that. Um, if you've enjoyed this episode, you can always email us at podcast at thebatmanuniverse.net and check us out on Facebook, go on the website, uh, go on the forums, let us know what you thought of my decisions. Uh, do you think I've been a bit of an idiot, or do you agree with me completely? would be great to know. And also, let us know what villains you would like to see us talk about in the future. The Mad Hatter was suggested on the forums. That's why we're doing, them, doing him next time. So if you've got a character you want us to talk about, just tell us over there, um, or send us an email. So I think that's everything from the TBU Halls of Justice for another episode. Um, I've been the Honourable Judge Nick. Uh, thank you very much for joining us. This is Dustin. And this is Councillor Don. You've been listening to the Batman Universe Villain Walls. See ya. See you next time. Uh, court adjourned. Yeah, I was going to mention, since it's your first one, uh, just uh, try to make sure you, you pace yourself with your argument. Don't you know rush through it in 30 seconds. Um, but, you know, I've heard you on the podcast, so I know you can talk for a while. Well, I'm, actually, I'm actually a, a former debate champion, but I'm not done in a few years, so... What? Yeah, <laughs> yeah I am. From, like, junior high. Hey, what, what happened to full disclosure around here? <laughs> <laughs> oh yes, I'm afraid so. But then again, though, seriously, I don't know. I, I don't know. How I can argue my way out of this with, with the Great White Shark. <laughs>